0: Hello,
1: you play to win the game. I mean, listen, we're talking about practice, not a game, not a game, not a game, we're talking about practice. To LeBron James, that was insane, officially insane, LeBron James.
2: Thursday, October 12th, 2023, I am joined alongside Kobe Jackson, J.P. Flanagan, and Jordan Salas. My name is David Casaneta. We got an episode of Claws to the Wall today. How's everybody doing today?
0: Uh, Doing good. You know, just getting through through school. Yeah, Uh it got hot today. Yeah, I (laughs) picked a bad
1: day to wear long sleeves today. (laughs) It was nice in the morning, though. Yeah. Yeah, I agree.
2: Oh no, absolutely! I'm wearing a big, uh, big old sweater. So <laughs> I was definitely dressed for the morning, but man, guys, a lot of action in the sports world. As in this episode, we're gonna keep it national, which personally I like. You know, I love talking about local sports. Yep. But man, with the the amount of stuff that has been going on, mainly in the professional leagues, it has been, you know, they have given us a lot to talk about. I got a lot of topics. I want to start in the NFL. Big whoop. news. <laughs> Big news this last week. Jonathan Taylor coming back. They finally agreed to terms. Finally. I saw this article where, you know, they're they're talking about the workload and how they want to split touches between him and Zach Moss. I want to know, does this have any impact on the Colts' um, playoff hopes? I mean, I think
0: it kind of does. Well, not really. at this point in time, not really, because Anthony Richard, Richardson is now out with an injury. Mm-hmm. So this kind of really – I mean, I guess you could say this is a good sign if specifically on the offense offensive side of the ball. But now that your court, your main star quarterback is out is going to be out, I don't know. It's kind of it's kind of up in the air. But I mean, I'm finally happy that Jonathan Taylor finally got you know his contract stuff situated and finally got. Uh, his you know his personal life under control now he's you know ready to play football again but the only downside is is I don't know how much of an impact he's going to be because I know mm-hmm. he's been a, you know away from the game for a while he didn't partic- participate in training camp nor preseason so I mean there might be a little bit of of rust for uh, Jonathan Taylor but I mean I'm glad he's back and I'm glad he's with the Colts and uh, you know I mean hope he can stay healthy I know that's what a lot of people at least in fantasy terms mm-hmm. I know that's what po- a lot of people would want right now.
3: I mean, it came as a huge shock to me to even see him sign the contract because I thought this was going to be a holdout that lasted like a pretty significant amount of time. I mean, especially with the Colts not having the record to even like make a playoff push at, the, at this current moment in time. I mean, getting to see him, you know, secure that number one uh, contract for a running back is great for the league because, I mean, up till last week, I mean, what, Bijan was the number one running back yep. in terms of money mm-hmm. and he's a rookie. So that's, that really shouldn't be allowed <laughs> at this point. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm glad to see Jonathan Taylor get his bag, but... uh I mean, I'm a Zach Moss general manager right now. He's on my fantasy team, and uh, he's replacing Nick Chubb. And I, I was loving the production from him, and I really didn't see them wanting to pay Jonathan Taylor because, I mean, if you got a back who's doing things that Zach Moss is doing, I mean, you can afford to hold out like that. Um, I'm surprised to see it, but, I mean, this is good for the NFL. I mean, this will hopefully, you know, have a reoccurring event or be an re- event that sparks other teams to do the same thing for their running backs.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think if Jonathan Taylor comes back and he's he plays like, like Jonathan Taylor like the like the yeah. guy we know and we've seen I think he'll help the Colts out for sure cuz I mean they they are 3 and 2 right now which yeah. isn't the best record but it's also not the worst record. Mm-hmm. They're second in the AFC South so those playoff hopes I mean they're still there it's still really early.
2: Yeah, the AFC South, you know, being 3 and 2 is is going to do the job, you know, a lot of divisions in the NFL or a lot of uh conferences in the NFL that doesn't do the job, but you know you got the Texans, you got the Jaguars in there. You, it's gonna be a little bit easier. Yeah, Texans.
0: Um, uh, Texans are slowly climbing up, though. Yeah. I know. I know you're a Texas fan in here, David. So I kind of want to ask you, from a Texans fan, with Jonathan Taylor being Whoa. back, does this does this worry you in any shape or form?
2: Well, the reason I put that article in there is I just think it's interesting how the Colts have utilized Jonathan Taylor when he was on the field. They kind of. Split touches a lot more than mm-hmm. you normally would see. You know the Chargers don't do it as much with Eckler. Um, obviously the Niners I, they split they split their touches with McCaffrey, but there's teams that definitely give like 75 percent of the workload to their star running back. And the Colts don't really do that. He kind of gets his you know his 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 fantasy points I mean this is a fantasy guy that's what I'm oh, yeah, talking no, about of course. JP I love that you said as a as a Zach Moss owner you <laughs> know you don't, you don't <laughs> like it but uh but yeah I mean kind of off script here but it, it does have to do with Jonathan Taylor what have y'all what have y'all thought about the running back holdouts that we've seen recently this season obviously you talk about Bijan being the highest paid running back mm-hmm. and maybe it shouldn't be like that but Again, that's when these guys are at their prime, straight out of college. We've seen it more and more in the past years. So I kind of want to know y'all's thoughts. I
0: mean, I mean, I'm kind of used to it at this point. You know, I mean, like you talked about the the holdout with. I know Nick Chubb was in that conversation. I know Josh Jacobs was also one of those back – Austin, uh, uh, excuse me, Austin Eckler as well during the offseason. They all because they all basically protested, saying that you know we are the workhorse of the offense. We're the ones that get the carries. We're the one that you know does blocking. I mean they pretty much do it, you know, pretty much do any and everything on the offensive mm-hmm. side of the ball. So I understand the concerns that they had as far as, you know, contract negotiations go, but everybody you you're only going to be able to protest for so long until you finally need to realize that hey, you know, I got to make a deal otherwise I'm not getting on the field at this point. So I'm glad everything I'm glad everybody got the money that they needed. I know Josh Jacobs, I believe he only signed like a one-year I believe it was like a one-year deal for uh for the Oakland Ra- uh excuse me Las Vegas Raiders. God, I keep saying Oakland a lot. Um, but you know, it is what it is. I'm glad everybody's back. Everybody's pretty much in full form for the most part. I, I want to say nobody's hurt at the moment. I don't think, but I mean, I like I like seeing those guys run the football like Nick Chubb, like Derrick Henry, uh, McCaffrey finally being healthy. You know, being healthy, Jacobs as well. I mean. And like you just we just talked about Jonathan Taylor. So honestly, the back, all the running backs that are in this league right now all have still have great potential. I know some a few of them are just coming out of college and, you know, they're doing unbelievable things in the NFL right now. I just hope they can keep that pace up and possibly not have a a very severe career threatening injuries like we've seen previous running backs have.
3: I was really just hoping it wouldn't turn into Le'Veon Bell's situation because yeah. I didn't yep. want to see anyone sit out a whole year. I mean, we saw how that wasn't necessarily a good impact on his career. Um, You know, getting those reps that are important for running back, getting mm-hmm. hit all those times, I mean, you can see it easily as a negative, but, I mean, those reps are valuable at the end of the day. And we saw Le'Veon Bell come and go really fast. And, I mean, I think this is important for the league to kind of readjust – their contracts with running backs. I mean, yeah. they're such an impact to the game. I mean, the tempo is purely based off them sometimes. And with the with the league with only you know certain top heavy quarterbacks. I mean, running backs are given a lot of workload. And I mean, we're seeing a lot of running backs here who didn't necessarily have a bunch of success in college because they didn't have those reps doing good in the NFL. So mm-hmm. it's a it's a little bit of a, a a situation there. But I mean, the top guys deserve to get paid and for their duties. And I mean, it starts with the, you know the number one guy and Jonathan Taylor securing his bag.
1: Yeah, I think that these running backs, they definitely do deserve to get paid, because like y'all said, they are like the workhorse of these offenses, and you know, they get banged up, and they're the guys out there taking big hits every play. Obviously, everybody else is too, but as a running back, you're really in there um, taking those big hits, and that's a reason why also these owners and general managers are like hesitant to give these players these big Mm -hmm. contracts, because as a running back, it's a Every position is a dangerous position, but you yeah, see what I'm saying as yeah, a running back. Absolutely, you know and, they're getting they're getting hit.
3: And the versatility of these running backs is changing. Like you see a lot more receiving backs. You see a lot of blocking backs, yep. and then they also have to do their job at running. So I mean, they're they're all in all three phases of the game, and I mean they have a lot of responsibility. And to say like Christian McCaffrey isn't deserved to be the number one paid running back would be insane. And right. he's <laughs> gonna be he's gonna be coming for his soon. Yeah, no, yeah.
2: absolutely. And from a general manager's standpoint. I mean, I hate I hate to play, you know, devil's advocate, but <laughs> I'm w- only willing to pay a, a handful of running backs in this league. And I mean, I mean, why wouldn't you? You know, you get you could get these guys late in the first round. You know, uh, apart from guys like Christian McCaffrey, Bijan Bijan didn't get picked. Uh, what was he number eight? I think it was nine or ninth, s- I believe. Or was it eight? It might be eight. I'm right. <laughs> but we're seeing basically we're seeing running backs like slip a little more towards the later part of the first round it's a passing nfl now you know uh air raid i guess you could say and you know with with running backs having to carry more of a workload as you said blocking receiving uh the rpo game has really prevailed in the Mm -hmm. nfl so these guys have been asked to do a lot more and have gotten a lot less for it so Mm -hmm. we'll just have to see how that plays out um let's move on here Still keeping it in the NFL. There's a lot of surprising teams in football right now, both good and bad. Let's start with good. Lions are 4 and 1. They're my favorite <laughs> team in the NFL to watch right now. Seahawks are 3 and 1, the only team that the Lions have lost to, I believe. Now let's move on to the negatives. Vikings are 1 and 4. Not surprised. Rams are 2 and 3 and the Bengals are 2 and 3. Which one of these teams are y'all looking at and saying, "What the heck?"
0: I mean, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised about the Lions at all because the Lions, I've, if I'm not mistaken, the Lions have not lost a game since I believe Week 16 of last season. Of last season, so they're on a roll. They, they lost, lost Week Two. Well, they lost yeah. a Week Two, but a, before that, they right. were on a really a very hot winning streak. And right. you know, like I talked about on BCR, of, you know, this past couple of weeks. Is that Detroit beat Green Bay beat Green Bay in the last week of the regular season last year that knocked the Packers out of playoff contention and put the Seahawks in the playoffs? So and they finished with the winning record, which is outstanding because I can't honestly I can't remember the last time that the Lions had a winning record. It's been quite a while, but I mean you gotta appreciate this Lions team a lot. Obviously, you know with the departure of DeAndre Swift, I mean it's almost basically next man up, which is absolutely phenomenal jared Goff is finally playing the playoff type of football we were accustomed to him playing when he was you know part of the rams and honestly detroit is I'm i hate to say it, they're not really a shock to me because i knew they were going to be good especially with the you know with the tough with the with the departure of aaron Rodgers in green bay obviously minnesota i didn't know where their situation was going to be because obviously dalvin cook was going to leave was leaving and then obviously you know now they're only having to rely on justin jefferson now so honestly I'm not shocked that the Lions are actually, you know, have the best record in their division and I'm not surprised that they're, you know, one of the best teams in the NFL. I'm just worried that I just hope when it gets to the later part of the season they can just keep mm-hmm. consistency and just try to, you know, do as much as they can so they can make the playoffs for yeah. for once. That's all I'm really hoping for for them.
3: Yeah, and this was a team that in the offseason a lot of people were getting a lot of um, You know they were getting a lot of trash talk towards them because of their draft and how they you know used the the number one pick they had to draft running back and then they drafted a tight end and did they really need a tight end and Mm -hmm. you know all these things and it ended up working out for them and it's great to see it because I mean Detroit has been waiting for some sort of success for so long. I agree. As Texas State fans, we can relate to that. (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, But to talk about like a team that's really succeeding right now, I think it's. I mean, no one really talks about it, but I mean, Brock Purdy hasn't lost a game that he started yep. and finished. I mean, and we we got to see the loss last year, but I mean, that was totally the UCL injury that he was struggling with. Mm-hmm. And I mean, this Forty ers team is red hot right now, and then you could easily see them matching up against the Eagles later down the year, and this being an exciting matchup.
1: Definitely, and I just want to talk about the Lions again because it is really impressive. I mean, mm-hmm. the past few years they've been it's been pretty abysmal, but what Dan Campbell's <laughs> done. It's been pretty crazy. I mean, I like Dan Campbell. He seems like a, too. he's a really likable coach, mm-hmm. um, so I'm happy for him, and I'm happy for Jared Goff, too, because uh, I think it's been like a long time coming for both of those guys.
0: And the thing, I wanted to make this one quick note, is that when Detroit did their hard-knock season, because obviously hard-knocks is very sentimental to NFL teams, especially when they come and do their series uh, for training camp. When they did hard-knocks a couple of years ago, I was thinking to myself, Give this team maybe a couple years and they're gonna be really something. I really think I honestly really said that. But what I love about the Detroit Lions staff is that they're former players who have played the game. You know, I know we say that a lot when it comes to NFL, when it comes to coaches in the NFL, but if you have huge experience around the NFL who have either played the game or who have coached the game for such a long time, to me that's what builds. A phenomenal coaching staff and what builds great relationships with not only the coaches but with the players also. Yeah,
3: and Dan Campbell is 100% a players' coach, in my opinion. I don't know what he does that is his strong suit, but to me, connecting with his players and really like connecting with the, the fans is, is something that is second and none. And uh, I mean, this is a team that last year was really close. Like getting to watch that hard knocks thing, I mean, there were so many games where there were one possession, two mm-hmm. possession. It's like, wow, this team has really come a long way and it's really coming into fruition this year.
2: Yeah, so I said my favorite my favorite team to watch in the NFL right now, for sure, the Lions. And if they're going to go for it, this is their year. You know, the Vikings aren't doing that good. Packers aren't doing that good. Bears, I mean, come on. I mean, it's let's, the Bears. <laughs> what are we <laughs> – What let's, are we?
0: What, yeah, it's the Bears. Let's
2: not, uh, <laughs> let's not get out of hand here. But um, I'm glad you brought up the 49ers and Brock Purdy because I saw this earlier this week or after they won their game versus the Cowboys. Um, Easy dub. Yeah, so <laughs> – Anyways, as of now, <laughs> <Sure didn't. laughs> number f- n- fourth best odds in winning MVP. Do you all think Brock Purdy has an actual chance at doing this?
3: I mean, I hope so. I think the guy deserves it. He's... Doing the best in his offense. I mean, this is an offense that doesn't just go Be like this isn't just the 49ers This is multiple offenses in the NFL and he's Mm -hmm. taking complete command I mean the guy hasn't lost in this system yet So I'm waiting to see how his losses are and how that affects him But if if this win streak keeps going on, I mean, there's no reason why he shouldn't be in the top three in that
1: conversation Yeah, I think I think if he keeps doing what he's doing, he's definitely gonna be in that conversation I mean, he's already in the conversation What five weeks in Mm -hmm. and I mean, it's his second year. He's exactly. won every game that he has a working UCL in. Like, <laughs> it's impressive. He he just looks really comfortable out there t- out there too. Like you just see him in the pocket, and he's composed, and he's making really good throws that you don't normally see from a a quarterback that is only in his second year.
3: And a lot of people like to say it's the weapons, the weapons. But like every quarterback has weapons. Like Joe Absolutely. Burrow has one of the you know most weapons in the league. And I mean, we see him have two and three, and be it he's coming off of that calf injury, but. To say that there, it's a weapons deal, it's it's not. I mean, everyone has theirs, and he's fortunate to be a second-year player, to have, like, the complete setup as he has with Kyle Shanahan. I mean, and you can't let that bring him down. I mean, that's he, he was blessed with that, but, I mean, mm-hmm. he's what he's doing with that system is great. I mean, we've seen Kyle Shanahan struggle to produce a quarterback, and seems yep. like now he gets it with the last pick in the draft. I mean, it's mm-hmm. insane.
0: Yeah, and it's funny because, you know, I look back when – I don't like – and I hate, I hate making comparisons, but – you know, I looked back when Jalen Hurts first came in the NFL because people or analysts were really dogging him on how accurate he needs to be and how you know, pre, you know know precise he needs to be. And look where Jalen Hurts is now. Brock Purdy is basically in the same situation. It's just that I think what's what's saving him right now is that he is already fit into the system because it had to take a while for Jalen Hurts to get into the system in the NFL. Brock Purdy basically just took it you know, just, just basically took it in and just grasped it so easily and i think that's what's making the difference between Brock Purdy really now and then what Jalen Hurts was when he first came in the NFL. So i mean with that being said, i think Brock Purdy is absolutely phenomenal. I do put him up there in the MVP race as of this moment. Mm-hmm. I just hope and you know knock on wood, i hope that man stays stays healthy. I really hope he does cuz honestly, he could be in that conversation with elite quarterbacks like You know, like Mahomes, like Josh Allen, I mean, I I hate to say Joe Burrow, even though he's not playing the best right now, but Joe Burrow, Jalen Hurts, you know, he's beginning to be up there in that conversation with amongst the best quarterbacks in the league.
2: I think my favorite part about Brock Purdy is his decision-making, his uh, on-field IQ, the fact that this guy plays, like he's been in the league for five years, (laughs) and he's played what, less than 10 games in the NFL, and... Talk about a guy who got thrown right into the fire, you know. I mean, he's he's been very impressive, and that kind of brings me to ask a question. I got a fun little little question for y'all. With all the Brock Purdy praise we just did, you you're the you're the owner of an NFL team. You get to pick between two guys, Brock Purdy or Justin Herbert. Who are you taking? I'm, I'm take- still taking Herbert. I'm Ooh, really? <laughs> I am. I mean,
3: the guy is a pure passer. I mean, he's got he's got he's so tall. I mean. He's what you want in a prototypical quarterback, and I mean, in his offense, he's also excelling. I mean, he's one of those guys should that should be in the conversation as well Mm -hmm. for MVP. I mean, maybe not as high as Brock at the moment, but I mean, if I'm building an an NFL team, I'm probably just out of like trade value and all these other things. I mean, maybe I'm thinking too much fantasy right now, (laughs) but um, I think it's still Justin Herbert to me. And
2: that's why I bring it up. You know, I know, I know most people would lean towards Herbert, but I mean, if we're talking about how good this guy is. I mean, why not? Why not make the comparison?
0: I mean, in that sort of sense, because bear this in mind: Justin Herbert has not won a playoff game yet. Brock Purdy has. So, with that being said, I'm gonna go with Brock Purdy just because of wow. what could get you in the play. What can get you in the playoffs right now?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think he's he's looked comfortable. Um, I think that says a lot. So, I think Brock Purdy might be you know a decent Dang. decision to go with right now. His QBR is 83.6, which is first in the NFL. He's nine touchdowns this season with zero interceptions. If we're talking just this season, mm-hmm. I'd, I'd have to go with Brock.
2: I gotta go with Herbert. Man. That's fair. That's I know fair. we gave him the praise, so we're gonna split two-two down the middle. But Brock Purdy has Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle, Debo Samuel, Christian McCaffrey, Elijah Mitchell. He's got yeah. he's got guys. I mean, the, the by the way, the 49ers the last five years had let led the league in uh, yards after catch. So mm-hmm. you know, regardless who you have back there at quarterback, before it was Garoppolo. You throw it short, these guys are more than likely going to get you some some yards after that. So, Absolutely. that being said, I want a guy who can sling it, and I think Justin Herbert is that guy. Okay. Um, but now, yeah, I, I just I just thought that would be a fun little comparison. <laughs> With all those teams in mind, we got kind of on a Brock's, Brock Purdy spill. <laughs> I don't know how long we talked about it. Uh, anyways, so, we were talking about the surprising records. Um, I want to know y'all's updated Super Bowl predictions as of this point. Going into week six.
0: As of this point, I would s- still keep I – I don't really I really don't want to keep praising the 49ers so much, but they are very good. I agree. Um, I'll still stick with the 49ers if Brock Purdy stays healthy. I will still stick with them. And as far as the AFC, I know the hot pick is Miami right now because Miami has the best offense in the league. They have the best uh, – Best scoring, uh, what is it, best scoring in the league right now. Yeah, by far. Um, uh, I don't know. There's something in me that wants to say Miami, but something in me wants to, wants me to say something else. But um, for the sake of experience, I'm going to go Super Bowl rematch 49ers and Kansas City.
3: Mm. Yeah, I mean, I really don't want to say the Chiefs again, but, I mean, if you just look at the AFC I mean, and you look at experience and all the other factors, I mean, you still have to pick them. I, I really want to pick the Bills, but, I mean, yeah. big moments have never been in their favor. and yeah. I yep. mean, the, the Jets the first week was just, wow, it was really eye-opening. <laughs> you, you really thought this would be the year, and, you know, to open it up like that, I mean, there's still time, obviously. I mean, two losses is not going to ruin your season, but mm-hmm. I probably – want to say jalen hurts though in the nfc uh i really like brock purdy a lot and i really hope they do like get that success but i think jalen hurts and that team and jason kelsey are out you know for another one you know another shot at that and especially if it's going to be against his brother i got to watch the kelsey kind of I don't know if it was a documentary or episode or something but I mean it was very interesting to watch them go through that whole season and then mm-hmm. you know it get to end on that note of getting to play mm-hmm. each other and Jason not getting to get his but I mean hopefully they get another shot at that and I think it'd be really interesting if it was the Eagles and the Chiefs again
1: definitely that um, Kelsey matchup would be interesting again yeah with those two but yeah. yeah when looking at this I think there's really only like four teams that everybody's seriously looking at and that's I mean, maybe five, but definitely in the NFC, it's got to be the 49ers and the Eagles. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. I think I got to go with the 49ers, though, coming out of the NFC just because of how dominant they've been. The Eagles, they're 5-0 too, but they've had some close games. They almost lost to Washington. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, I think they still have have a, a good shot at it. And from the AFC, I think... I think it's going to be the Chiefs yeah, because yeah. just they have they have more experience. I think the Dolphins have a good team too, but we just haven't really seen them in that position yet. Mm-hmm. So I got to go with the Chiefs and the Forty ers I agree. Rematch, yeah.
2: I two things. First <laughs> of all, have y'all noticed that the Dolphins? and Texas State share a lot of similarities. I'm scared to hear this. Go ahead. <laughs> Big offensive team, but this is a team that fights fire with fire. I mean, in the <laughs> AFC, the second most points allowed with 135. The Miami Dolphins don't believe in defense, but they definitely believe in offense, no just like Texas State. you know, They're going to fight fire with fire. The thing is, in the playoffs, when you face the Chiefs, and honestly, I really think that's their only competition. I thought it would be the Bengals, but – they kind of suck this year. So, when you face a team like the Chiefs in the playoffs, you know, it can't just be all about scoring a bunch of points because exactly. you're getting game planned for weeks in advance. And, mm-hmm. um, I mean, I don't know. The second thing is I noticed nobody mentioned the Rams in the NFC. Uh, nah, I don't know because,
0: like, well, because I know the Rams just got Cooper Cup back finally. So, I guess maybe that's still in consideration but to be honest with you they really don't have the best running game at the moment so that's the there's the only reason why i say i said the 49ers in the first place but i don't know rams could be could be possibilities
3: i mean they definitely been an exciting team but to put them in a conversation like the other teams right now that are succeeding would be a little far but i mean yeah they're definitely an exciting team i mean the um uh, Puka Nakua getting to shot highlight while Cooper Cup was gone, and then mm-hmm. Kyron Williams was really supposed to be Cam Akers' backup, and then <laughs> yeah. we got to see him blow up, and yeah. I know a lot of fantasy managers were trying to sell him when he was really high. Um, but, I mean, yeah, they, they've they been an exciting team, but I wouldn't put them in the conversation of some of these other teams at the moment.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, it's just super early still. Anything yeah. that happened in that NFL, yeah, you exactly. never know. So, I mean, sitting at a, a record of 2-3 and three right now at the moment, obviously not the best record third in their division, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but only three losses right now. We're only five weeks in anything could happen. So you never know with Cooper cup being, being back, they could maybe uh, get some magic working in their favor again. Mm -hmm.
2: I agree. If they have any shot, it's with Cooper cup, but, uh, that being said, I don't believe in them. I just wanted to you know, <laughs> those It's just interesting, you know, because they still are there. We can't mm-hmm. ignore that, but anything can happen. We'll just have to see how that plays out. Last thing on the NFL, we'll move on real quick. Tyreek Hill uh, recently mentioned that he wants to pass interference review rule back from 2019, that one-and-done rule. Just real quick, I want to know each one of y'all's take on that. Would y'all bring it back?
0: 2019... What was what was that play? It was a
2: pass interference rule, so you could challenge a pass interference. That happened the oh. year after um, the Rams. Oh yeah, the and Rams and the Saints. Saints. Yeah, yeah. So that was a one. That was only a one-year
1: deal rule, and then they 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 that, took it that out. They can review it. Yeah. Yeah. They they, they can. Yeah, you so can. So Tyreek wants pass interferences to be able to be reviewed.
2: Again. Yeah. Which, yeah <laughs> exactly. That I I had to look at that twice. I was like. Is that right? <laughs> uh, a receiver? But.
3: Yeah. I'd listen to the players. Whatever the players want, it's what they should get. I mean, it, it, the thing with the pass interference thing is you could be wrong and then get it overturned, and th- so I don't see any negative with that. So, like, even if you get it wrong, you can fix it and all that jazz. But, I mean, I, I listen to the players first. If the players want it back, if the players believe it helped the game, then, yeah, then they're th- right.
2: I think the issue was that it slowed down the game a lot. You know, there's already a lot of TV timeouts in the no NFL. Key. And – I mean, these bang bang plays happen so often that you know if you win a challenge, you get that challenge back. So I mean, I don't know. I didn't mean to interrupt. I just no, it's okay. Just giving um, reasons to both sides.
0: Yeah, I don't know. It's it's one of those. I think to me, it's just part of the game. I don't think because technically in the NFL, you can't review a pen, you can't review a penalty, and it's basically the same for uh, the MLB, which I know we'll dig into in a minute. But you can't review balls and strikes. You know what I mean? So I think it's just one of those things that just it's just part of the game. And honestly, I don't think it needs to be reviewed. But I want to say – I can't even count how many times they reviewed pass interference uh, plays the year after that rule was, was implemented. So I don't know. I For me, as a fan, uh, I don't think they should – I honestly don't think they should bring it back. That's just my honest yeah. opinion.
3: JP? Uh, still in terms of the, the rule? Yeah. Yeah, I back. mean – yeah, I I'd bring it back. I mean, it, it's the only way to me that it affects the game is if like David said it affects like the impeding progress of the game, but that's the part of the rule you can challenge it yourself. You don't have to throw that flag if you are willing to give that, you know, play up then, then all but then all means do it. But I mean, I mean, that's I think this really comes down to how the players feel about it. I'm sure the defense is going to feel different than the offense, but mm-hmm. I mean, that's a conversation that the league needs to have and if Tyreek really felt like that was a beneficial thing, then I mean, who am I to tell me's wrong?
1: Yeah, maybe we need to hear um, some other players' opinions on this. We'll get yep. Tyreek Hill on the show. next. You <laughs> <time. laughs> can call in. Yeah, but it it does really take you know time off the game when you're having to stop and review all of this these different things that happen. But in the end, I don't think that you know we really care too much about that. We forget about it pretty quick, and mm-hmm. I think that it it can help the game because especially late in the game when there's always those plays that happen where it's like yeah. It's close and it could go either way Either way exactly, and I think it's I think it's good to make it um, So we make sure we get the call right
3: yeah Maybe if it's like in the last two minutes because I feel like the only time we really care Is when it affects like the outcome of the game? Um, So if it could be like a two-minute rule, maybe that would be something influential but I mean to see like the game have stopped twice for pass interference in the first quarter Mm -hmm. that might affect me that personally (laughs) But I mean it it might be a topic of conversation at least that's a really good
2: point I think I don't know because it's because then you get into the into the into the conversation of what defines a game you know exactly because even if it's not in the fourth quarter necessarily but it's a play in the at the end of the second half in a tied game that would have got you in field goal range should you be able to review it then you know but you don't want to slow down the game so there's so much to it it's not as black and white as we're we're making it out to be but it's definitely interesting. JP and Jordan I'm with y'all though. Let's bring it back, you know, cuz that's one of the one of the biggest things you see. If if there's ever controversy in an NFL game, it's more than likely pass interference. So Okay. We'll see. Not sure how much jurisdic- jurisdiction Tyreek Hill has. <laughs> I guess we'll find out soon. Um, I think that's enough NFL talk, guys. Let's move on to the MLB. Whoop whoop. Real quick, I mean it's the playoffs, we have to mention it. First off, the Astros versus the Rangers. It's oh. happening starting this Sunday. My Astros versus the Rangers. Keys to each team. I want to know y'all's opinions. And then how can a team lose this series? I mean,
0: first off, to start it off, I mean, can we just talk about Jose Abreu and Jordan Alvarez for a second? I mean, them two dudes had a hitting spree against the Minnesota Twins. I mean, I not I, but like I talked about earlier on in the year, their bullpen has been not the very best this season, honestly. I'm, I'm just going to be strictly honest. And I know kind of a little bit of a funny story is that earlier in our sports media class, we had the privilege of having uh, Reed Ryan, the son of Noel, uh, the uh, great, one of the best pitchers of all time, Nolan Ryan, uh, in our class today. And he basically said that if either team scores early and scores big, then to me that's when they'll take over the I think that's when they'll take over the game and honestly I couldn't agree more because honestly it's been like that really this whole series when when the Astros strike first or when the Rangers strike first it's just on a momentum tear for either team so I'm gonna stick with, uh, with Reed Ryan's point whoever scores First, I, we'll have the better advantage of, of the series.
3: Yeah, it was awesome to get to hear him this morning in class. I mean, he had mentioned that he thinks that if any team, you know, gets hot and whatever team gets the most home runs, he truly believes is going to, you know, win the game. Absolutely. I mean, and, and at a perfect time where both teams pitching is kind of, you know, the the Astros are starting out strong with their pitching. And, I mean, the, the Rangers kind of just finally have, like, that their group back together all in mm-hmm. one piece. And, and that's going to be crucial. Um, I was once a Rangers fan back when they lost you know back-to-back years trying to get that first one Um, I haven't really gotten back into baseball ever since but I mean the Rangers are up up in the ALCS already so I'm, I'm getting a little more into it now and I think it'll be exciting to the best teams that get to face each other but one thing I found interesting is I mean, these teams that kind of got, like, that break, the like, they they won the division and they got mm-hmm. that break, they weren't very hot when they got to play these teams right. that did yeah. play a series already. And I'm wondering if the MLB has to look at that and say, you know, like, wow, the Orioles were the best team in baseball record-wise, mm-hmm. but then they got absolutely swept in their first games. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, these teams got an opportunity to play in the first round, and it, it's really paid off for them. Their offenses are hot, and their pitching is, you know, back to where it needs to be.
2: Well, I'm glad you mentioned that because just like – just like the Orioles, the Dodgers got swept too, and they also got a first round by. The Braves are on the verge of losing in four. They got a first round by two. The only team to not be losing to not have lost or be losing their series right now is the Astros. It's the Astros. Yeah, but that's I mean, I think that comes with experience. I think I think the key to each team is, is like y'all said, offense. I mean like we talked about earlier with the Dolphins and Texas state fire with fire. (laughs) And neither of these teams are the Astros are known for their pitching, especially in the playoffs. And it has been good to this point, but whenever you get Framber Valdez or Rafael Montero on the mound it gets a little bit scary especially with a team that has the bats like the Rangers mm-hmm. on the other end the Rangers bullpen sucked at the end of the year yep. but up, but but now they're the best bullpen in the league which mm-hmm. and that just goes to show you that anything can happen in October um so that's going to be really interesting to watch here at KTSW it's about split 50-50 with Astros and Rangers fans so yeah. i know it's going to get heated over here <laughs> yep um so I mentioned the D-backs sweeping LA. Now they're waiting for an opponent and I want to know real quick just y'all's thoughts. The Braves or the Phillies, who's going to be playing
0: the Diamondbacks?
2: Man, give me
0: man, give me the Phillies right yeah. now cuz like I talked about, they have probably the best one of the best home crowds in all of baseball at this moment cuz last year they pulled a lot of it opened a lot of eyes for people last year this year they have everybody back they have everybody pretty much healthy for the most part i think they maybe signed maybe only one or two free or traded one or two pre- guys from uh, this past mlb trade deadline so but they're back they're healthy everybody's clicking on all serves bryce harper having a two home run game mm-hmm. i mean these dudes are hot and it's kind of funny because you know yesterday's game uh when the phillies played the braves The Philly fans were mocking uh, the Braves' uh, chop that they do Mm -hmm. and stuff that they would do in Atlanta. So I'm like, oh, my Lord, Philly, 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 Philly. But, I mean, these Braves are hot. Excuse me. These these Phillies are red hot right now, and I'm going to still stick with my prediction. I think the Phillies will go ahead and just close out the Braves'
3: All right, I'm a betting man, so I'm checking the line right now. <laughs> um, the Atlanta Braves are still minus one hundred and seventy, and the Phillies really? are plus one hundred and fifteen. Really? And I'm a betting man, so I'd still pick the Phillies. I, I yeah. definitely think with this, with the way the series is going, I'd pick the Phillies. And I mean, can't um, you know, you can't have that break and you know lose your lose your heat and mm-hmm. like the Braves have and still come back. I mean, I mean they're one of the best teams in baseballs. I mean, I don't I, baseball. I don't doubt they could do it, but I mean the way the Phillies have been playing. I mean, I, d- I doubt they lose this one.
2: They got one more at home, I believe. Yeah.
3: And wow, that's crazy. Those odds are crazy because,
2: I mean, I didn't do my homework, but <laughs> I don't know who's pitching this next game. That might have, I have a it. Bit. I have it for you. It's okay. uh, Sh-
0: uh, Strider for Atlanta, and it's uh, Suarez for Philly.
2: Okay, that definitely has to do with the odds. Then that makes <laughs> ne- that makes sense now. Spencer Strider. I think led the league in strikeouts this year. That guy's that guy's a stud for sure. So we'll see how that one plays. One, out. One one two five ERA too. Just yeah, bear that in mind. Ouch. Gosh, yeah. <laughs> Scary. Let's move on to the NBA, guys. Um, so we got two weeks, or under two weeks, before the season starts. Whoop, whoop. Which team? I know. Try not to say the Rockets. But I know that's the obvious <laughs> answer. But which team are you most excited about this year? you want to go
3: oh man yeah i'm a spurs fan so obviously so obviously victor omanyama you know getting that preseason season debuted out there i mean really getting to see what it's like in the nba competition he's got a few months under his legs um i mean and you get to see on the court offense or defense not offense is night and day um when he's out there i mean he he can easily spread the floor. I mean, every, everyone's, you know, trying to keep the ball protected because his arms are so long. I mean, and against the rim, I mean, he only had one block, but I mean, you got to be careful when you're driving to the rim. It's like he's already got his hand up there above the rim. What do (laughs) you
2: think of that Chet versus Wembenyama? I I think Chet still
3: probably played a little better, but I mean he's always played in the U.S. game. I mean, Mm -hmm. he's always, you know, gotten to know the rules that way. I mean, it's an adjustment, but I think, I mean, with, Chet getting more rebounds. It really shows like his physical capabilities and mm-hmm. I mean he was sh- shooting the deep pointers kind of just like when Banyama was. I mean I think Wem- Wemby looks a little more fluid and he can take the step back three. I don't know if Chet's allowed to do the step back three right now but <laughs> I mean it was a great game to watch. I mean the Spurs were up like 19 and still blew that game but I mean that comes with that comes with you know them pulling out the star players and stuff like that yeah Yeah, yeah. exactly I mean this is going to be an exciting year for the Spurs I mean I don't think a lot of people have them winning more than 40 games I'm going to put them right at 40 or 42 maybe squeak into the play-in and I I don't know if they I mean maybe they can knock someone off at some point but who knows
1: yeah I got to go the Spurs too just because I mean where where are we at right now Central Texas San Antonio is right here um we have an opportunity to go see Wemby. I mean he's right down the road if you if you want to pay for uh, one of those expensive tickets, but uh, <laughs> I think watching the Spurs this season is going to be really interesting with um with Wemby out there. Um there's also some other teams like the Bucks, they got Damian Lillard, Damian Lillard, yep. That's going to be fun to watch. Um who else? The, the Celtics got um Oh Porzingis. Porzingis? yeah So there's yeah. been some like somewhat big moves happening. So I think it's gonna be a fun season to watch.
3: The yeah. Mavs lost to the Real Madrid. Real Madrid. Yeah. Madrid. That was crazy. <laughs> yeah. The last time that they the Real Madrid had beaten like an NBA team was when Luca was on the team. So, yeah, I mean sense. it's obviously preseason, but uh wow. I mean, what was that guy's name? Lyles, Noah Lyles. Yeah, yeah, Man, yeah. And it, it came into fruition. I mean <laughs> the other the other leagues are better than us right now, huh?
0: Yeah, I mean <laughs> Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna st- still stick with San Antonio Spurs on my team. Also, and I wow. do agree. Wimbenyama is is absolutely is doing really good in preseason so far. I just, I just the only concern I have with him is the of just of his size. That's not my only concern with him right now. But he has so much agility. He has so much ability to get to the paint. He can shoot the three ball when he can. I mean. This dude is everything that you want in a basketball player. But that's not the only team I actually look for. I'm actually looking forward to the defending champions, the Denver Nuggets, this season. Because for the most part, everybody's back pretty much. Everybody got re- re-signed. I believe there was only one departure, I believe, for them. But it wasn't really big. But, you know, they're going up against the Los Angeles Lakers. Yes, Ter- Thomas, I'm talking to you. Uh, but, you know, they're a team to watch. And then Golden State Warriors. They Man. added Chris Paul. They added Chris Paul. With this very elite group with Steph and Clay and Draymond Green, so I mean, you know, Golden State might have a little something this year. Mm-hmm. But the only thing I'm worried, I'm wondering, is how that rotation is going to work. Because I'm guessing they're going to put Chris Paul at the point, and they're going to put Steph as a shooting guard instead of him being instead of him being at the point guard position. And then Clay probably is going to be a small forward. So I don't know. I just don't know how that's going to work out. But it's going this going to be a fun season though.
2: Well, here's the thing with. By the way, you took you took my pick. The Golden State Warriors are oh, my, my pick too. But uh, here's the thing with Steph Curry playing shooting guard. I'm really not worried about that at all. This is one of the best off ball guys I have ever seen touch a basketball. I mean, the way he moves around. There's a video of like a camera following him during one of the games where he just won't stop moving. I would hate to guard that guy, and you have to be in his face the whole time because oh, yeah. if he gets the ball behind the arc, he can he can he can hit it from anywhere. So. I don't I think, think there that... was
3: that video with Deli, right? Following, yeah, over, yeah, right? yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. So, I mean, I, th- I think I think he can slide perfectly into the to the to the two two guard position, uh, especially when you have Chris Paul. That's why I said one of the most exciting teams, the Warriors. If there's anybody that knows how to u- utilize their weapons, it's Chris Paul. It's Chris Paul. So, Absolutely. So, I mean, a team that stayed relatively healthy with the exception of Clay Thompson mm-hmm. in the recent years, and we've seen in the recent years that the healthy team is usually the one that comes out on top in the playoffs with the Heat and the Nuggets being in it this year. So it's going to be interesting to watch. Um, the Spurs, I mean, I'm a Rockets fan, but, yeah, I'm excited for the Gross. Spurs too, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we'll see. I don't think uh, – I mean, it'll be between him and Cam Whitmore for Rookie of the Year for sure. But uh. mm, that, that was a steal on y'all's part, though. Yeah. I, I,
3: I thought that if we didn't get the number one pick and we fell to, like, seven or something, um, I would have taken him way earlier, yeah. like, around that term. But, I mean, one thing that developed is that uh, Wemby gained, like, 20 pounds since draft night, and I think that's huge for his development this early, is putting on weight and not mm. necessarily bad weight, just mm. muscle. Not
0: Zion weight. Yeah, just, just <laughs> weight in
3: general. Zion weight. Gosh. Um
2: Oh, when, whenever <laughs> so, oh, wait, that's insane. Whenever, uh, whenever the the Spurs drafted Wemby, I talked about the biggest issue. I mean, the elephant in the room is the injuries, and yeah. you know, like I don't want, I don't wish that upon anybody, but like as a Spurs fan, that's something you got to think about. I'm glad you mentioned he's putting on weight, and I'm glad he is too, because that's somebody I want to see. You know, regardless that he plays for the Spurs, I want to see him on the floor because he's Absolutely. a special talent. And, you know, as long as he's not doing it against the Rockets, I'd, I'd love to see this guy play. Um, let's move on now. We talk about star players, MVP predictions. Obviously, the main ones, Giannis, Luka, Jokic, and I got a surprising one. How about Jason Tatum for MVP this next season? Interesting.
3: I am the one I'm kidding. <laughs> um, I, I don't really have, like, a favorite at the moment, obviously, like – the top guys are still going to be the top guys. I think Jokic has been in the conversation too much recently to mm-hmm. to where like I can't not put him in there. So mm-hmm. I'm still going to pick him as my favorite. I mean, I I probably phrased that wrong too much, but I mean he he's <laughs> he's one of the top guys and he's probably going to stay there. I don't see any reason why not. Or he deserves he, it. Yeah, exactly. I, yeah. Unless injury derails him, especially after he lost last year, it's like more motivation. Exactly. He arguably could have won it last year. I mean, mm-hmm. um, and then Joel Embiid is yeah, having a team right. where. You know, uh, he he doesn't know if he's gonna keep James Harden all year. I mean, Tyrese Max, he's a young player. Does he get him the ball like, like as often as he'd like to, and all that? But I, I fl- if I had to make it, you know, if I'm a betting man. If I had to put my money somewhere, I'm still picking Jokic.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna either go with Jokic or or Luke or Luca. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I really ever since Luca Doncic has came in the league, he has been absolutely phenomenal for not only Dallas but for basketball as a whole i mean i i mean everything he does is so fluent i mean him knocking out the suns a couple years ago in the playoffs by himself well not really by himself i know he had a little bit of help but i mean the way he i mean the way he shoots the basketball and the way he moves around even without the ball is it's exceptional and then honestly i i know he's been in the mvp race a few times since he's been in the league but honestly i think this could possibly be his breakout year
1: that everybody wants him to have everybody talks about Jokic. He's he's always a topic of conversation lately in the, <laughs> the past few seasons. And right now, he is the favorite when we're talking about odds, JP. So, I mean, I got to go with Jokic also right now. I mean, we we really don't know yet. The, the season's about to start. So, I mean, we'll get a good uh, preview of, you know, what's to come soon.
3: I'm curious if, like, Giannis – I mean, he's obviously going to be in the conversation. But oh, of course. If adding Damian Lillard gets him more action with the ball, you know, less stress, yeah. he gets to do mm-hmm. his moves more often or – if, if this ends up being like, oh, he's taking his his ball time and stuff like that, I, I don't think it'll be like that situation. I think it'll just give him more of, like, that freedom to just do what he's good at and not necessarily, like, have to dribble the ball up court, you know, mm-hmm. take it down the middle and hopefully, you know, body someone out of the way. But, I mean, this gives him way more flexibility out there.
2: That's that's a valid argument because both players are very ball-dominant do- ball and mm-hmm. for their entire careers they have been used to, you know, the one controlling the floor, even though Giannis is a forward, you know, The offense definitely circulates around him. So it's going to be interesting. If I had to guess, I mean, I'd say that probably would hurt his odds Mm -hmm. because of that, you know, and – I mean, how can you have two ball dominate guys? As a Rockets fan, I could tell you, Russell Westbrook and James Harden, <laughs> and Chris Paul and James Harden, didn't work out. But nothing worked it out. Could for us, it could have. It could have though. The Chris it really could have. The Chris Paul James Harden year. That was the year. I agree. I, I 100% agree. Well, we missed like 27 straight threes against oh the Golden State Warriors. Oh my lord! I was at. That I don't game. want to talk. About, I
0: don't want to talk about that. <laughs> y'all had that in the bag. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you're, uh, never, I don't want to start anything. Yeah, me neither. No. So <laughs> Jason
2: Tatum, I threw on the list on, on there just because this is a guy who we've talked about, you know, wait till he hits his prime, wait till he hits his prime. I mean, he's been doing it. I mean, one, first of all, he's my sleeper pick for, for MVP. Kind of Fair. a hot take. Fair. But, I mean, do you all think that this guy's a superstar? Would you all say he has reached superstar Jokic, LeBron, um, Luka level?
3: Yeah, but when he has his struggles, I mean, it's it's really like it really shows. I mean, yeah. in the playoffs last year, the guy just lost whatever he was doing and you just did, forgot how to play basketball. It really became Jalen Brown's team. And I, that, to answer your question, absolutely, he's a superstar. Um, but, but he needs to get more consistent. And, I mean, that, was, that wasn't that was really highlighted during the season. He was great during the season. But when it came to those big moments, I mean, felt like a DeMar 2.0 out yeah. there.
2: I, I mean I'm, I want to define, by the way, that superstar. I, I put a lot of – at least myself, I put a lot of emphasis on that name. A superstar is somebody that, if they have a bad game, you don't doubt them. You know, you don't say, "All right, he's not a superstar anymore." It has a superstar is somebody who, if they have a bad game, it's just a bad game. It's just a bad but game. They're a exactly. superstar.
3: Yeah, I mean, they get a lot of bad rep because I mean, both of them are always, you know, going back and forth who's mm-hmm. doing good, who's the better one. And right. at one point, I really thought it was Jalen Brown, but I mean. I'm still gonna say Jason Tatum is a superstar on that team, even though Jalen Brown got the the paycheck this off season. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, he's definitely a superstar. He just got he's just got to put it together and, I mean, get, get his team together and really make a you know a push this year for what what we all expect. I mean, at least mm-hmm. an Eastern Conference Finals appearance.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, I've talked about. I mean, don't get me wrong. Jason Tatum has been exceptional for the league for the league, and honestly. I think people are really starting to now recognize his talent a lot more cuz honestly when he was a rookie people were like in questioning like oh this guy is not going to be the next top star in the NFL I mean in the NBA but now that he's had playoff experience now that he's you know had those type of games where he's considered himself a superstar in the NBA I think he's already in I think he's already in that superstar caliber I know we talk about guys like LeBron Durant, I know I I like to throw John Moran even in that conversation sometimes. Uh, he, not no, disregarding what he's doing off the court, what he's done on the court has been absolutely cr- just crazy. But you know, I I specifically think Jason Tatum deserves to be at the superstar level because of not only what he's done so far in the NFL, uh, in the NBA, but his playoff experience. Even though he's lost a lot in the in the playoffs, but his his consistency has always been just. Very level. It's it hasn't been really up and down, up and down. It's just been just like right at the middle.
2: I agree. I think he's uh, I think he's a superstar too. There's a lot of, a lot that goes into that title. But like I said, my sleeper MVP pick, along with Dylan Brooks, of course. But um, I think those guys are gonna be in contention for Dylan sure. Dylan Brooks, are you serious? <laughs> I hope you're. <laughs> just wait. I hope you're joking. Just wait. You haven't heard his argument yet. <laughs> I got none. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I thought. No, right. but yeah, Jason Tatum, that's my pick. Um, so lastly, I want to wrap it up. We got a little bit of time. Um, I gather it up since the 2015 NBA draft, uh-huh. a list of names, and we'll go one by one. I want to know four options. Is this guy a bust? Is he just disappointing? Not a bust. Is he decent? Maybe just playing to what y'all thought he would or maybe mm-hmm. a little... Or is he an overachiever? Did this guy do more than y'all would have thought? I want to start off with Carl Anthony Towns, the first overall pick in the 2015 draft. Disappointing, decent overachiever.
3: Decent. I'm not gonna say he's overachieved in any way. Um <laughs> because I mean, if you're a number one pick and it's 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 a hard it's hard being the number one pick because a lot of people yeah. put that pressure on you and I mean to be honest if you're a number one pick I mean I'm expecting you to at least have some sort of change day one with just yourself and it never really happened to him and that's okay I mean he's he's not a, he's not disappointing to me in any in any way I mean he definitely needed the team around him I mean that's why the team went and got Rudy Gobert cuz he just wasn't doing what Rudy Gobert can offer mm-hmm. they did it backfire him absolutely but yeah. I, I'm just going to say decent cuz he's not a bust or anything like that but I'd say decent
1: Yeah, I think you can definitely put Cat in the decent category too because, I mean, he's a really solid player, but he's just not superstar level. And I think that's what would make him be an overachiever.
0: Yeah, I agree. I I would definitely put Cat in the decent category as well. And it's kind of funny because anytime I hear Cat, I always always think of – we had a former KTSW sports member named Isaiah, and him and Justin went at it about – about cap being an uh and um what was in it oh, a non-impactive play uh impactive player hmm. and i'm not gonna lie i was i listened that to that specific episode a lot because first of all it made me laugh number one and number two it it honestly makes sense on why he's not why he's not really that impactive in uh in the nba but, I mean, he he's already, I mean, even though he does have a little bit of playoff experience, he really hasn't gotten over the hump of being one of the all-time best players. So, I'm going to, I agree, I, I put him in the decent category.
2: Okay, I think we're on greens here. I'd say decent too. Maybe, maybe, maybe sliding over a little bit to disappointing, but for now I'm going to keep him at decent. Just because, as you said, J.P., and if you're a number one overall pick, that means you're better than anybody mm-hmm. to come out of that draft class. So, you know, you gotta do you gotta do something. And yeah, I mean we'll we'll see. He's still he's still got time, you yeah. know, but this is around where his prime should be. So we'll see what he does. Twenty sixteen, the second overall pick. Brandon Ingram Ooh. bust disappointment, decent overachiever.
3: Okay, a few years ago, he was definitely leaning towards disappointing, and a lot of people could have pushed bust with the injuries and stuff like that. But, I mean, with him being traded to New Orleans and getting that fresh start, um, I think he has the potential to overachieve at some point. I mean, he's shown real flashes. I mean, but he's done nothing to get himself in that position yet. It takes playing a full season. It takes, you know, actually playing in the playoffs. So I'm going to put him at decent. But, I mean, there's still time. I mean, there's probably time for Carl Anthony Towns to do that too. But, I mean... I mean, I'm, I'm going to put him at decent just because I, I feel like in his past, in his past, you know, games and seasons, you could have put him in teetering between bust and disappointing. But he he's making that way up. It, uh, it's upward trajectory at the moment.
0: I think I'm going to, I don't want to put him at overachieve cause, overachiever because he really hasn't had that specific team where he's been the main guy. Mm-hmm. And he's a great ball. I mean, he's a great basketball player. I mean, he's a great facilitator on the floor. He literally is. He basically creates space on on the court. But I mean, he's not that one dude that can just get it done and just get it done when it matters most. But I mean, overall, he's a phenomenal player. I hate the fact that I have to I, I have to put him in decent, but he, I definitely believe he can be an, an overachiever at some point.
3: Yeah, I mean, those Lakers years, I mean, the first two, you could have put him in the bust category just because oh, yeah. of what they were expecting out of a, a Duke forward. I mm-hmm. mean, he was, you know, being compared to D- Kevin Durant. And if you're going to make that comparison, maybe you can put him at, un- like, underachiever, disappointing. Um, but, I mean, there's still time left in his career. I mean, he started out very early. I think he was a one-and-done at Duke. So, I mean, yeah. Yeah. A, a, a longer career, I mean, you said 2016. But, I mean, that in terms of his overall career, that's, that's the speck in time.
1: It definitely in his earlier years, you see him averaging around 10 to 15 points, and then it slowly starts progressing up to like around 20. Last season, he had his best season scoring wise with almost 25 points a game. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he's a decent player, and like y'all were saying, I
2: didn't even know that. That's actually pretty good. Yeah, I, <laughs> I think
1: that those are decent stats. I mean, he's a solid player, but yeah, he just needs to do a little bit more. They need to, you know, make a playoff run, do something that means something. Exactly. So,
2: you're saying decent? Yeah. I'm gonna go with you, Kobe. I'm going if I have to pick between decent and overachiever, I'm gonna go a little overachiever just because in terms of what you thought you were gonna get from him, as you said, JP, maybe disappointing, but in terms of what he's been through in his career, getting traded so young, dealing with so many injuries, I think to to if you wrote all of his what he went through early in his career down on a paper and told somebody how's his career gonna end up, I don't think you'd be saying twenty five points a exactly. game. You yeah. know. So I'll go overachiever just because what he's faced in terms of what he should have been, it's not fair to give him the disappointing rep just because of injuries and stuff. Absolutely, can't do that with anybody. But if I had to pick between decent and overachiever, I'd go overachiever. But uh, I could I see where all you are coming from. Um, so 2017. Let's move on. De'Aaron Fox, fifth overall pick.
3: I mean, he was the start of that build for the for the Kings, and I think that. I, i'm a little boring because i keep saying decent so i'm going to change this one up he was the fifth pick and i think that there was a lot of talent in that class and maybe that wasn't the best pick for them but it worked out completely it was the start of the the rebuild that n- n- took a little bit of time i mean it didn't really happen until this year and it took trades for star players that weren't necessarily drafted um so i'm going to say he overachieved i mean he, he's you know teetering for me but i mean to for them to start with De'Aaron Fox and really stick with him and, you know, through all those hard times and him still be like the main ball handler, I, I think he's overachieved. Cause I mean, personally when I see the King's draft player, I'm like, Oh man, is he going to be good in three years or mm-hmm. is he just going to be lost? Like, you know, names on the list that we're going to get her and talk to <laughs> <laughs> Yeah,
0: no, I, I 100% agree with, with you, JP definitely overachieved that man. I mean, De'Aaron Fox has literally became an absolute phenomenon. I mean, you ha- you basically hung around with one of the best players in the Golden State Warriors and took them to seven games. Now, granted, yeah. he had help with, Sabon- Sabonis, with Sabonis and then yeah. Her- and Herbert and Harrison Barnes as well. But, I mean, that dude's just a straight-up score. I mean, yeah. he literally can just go up to, like, anywhere and just shoot the ball, and he'll, make like, make it. It's, it's crazy. So, honestly, but like you said, the way he started his career and the way he is now, I 100% agree that he has overachieved a lot of everybody's expectations.
1: Yeah, I remember watching him playing with Kentucky, and he was a really exciting guy. And, yep. you know, you really wanted to see what he could do in the NBA. And I think lately he has overachieved, especially being yeah. with the Kings and, mm-hmm. you know, a team that hasn't had success. And recently they've been getting over better. A de- over a decade at least. Yeah, exactly. And mm. to, to stick with them and, I mean, you know, put up 25 points a game last season. He's on that Brandon Ingram level. Yeah, <laughs> um, right. yeah I think, I think he's, he's done a good job.
2: I I'm with y'all, overachiever for sure. The fact that he's stuck around, y'all kind of made all the points for me. But yeah, I mean, let's let's not get it twisted. Sabonis definitely definitely helped him out on that uh on that yeah. Kings team. But um yeah, I mean this guy went to high school like ten minutes away from mine at Side Lake, so I'll oh, wow. always be a fan of De'Aaron Fox. Um I think overachiever for sure. It takes a lot to stick through all those seasons, you know. And I watched the video. It was like about a year ago where a lot of NBA players were saying that this is one of the hardest guys in the NBA to keep up with just because he's so fast. Exactly. And, you know, he kind of reminds me of uh, of a John Wall because I think John Wall went to Kentucky too. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A lot of comparisons to John Wall. 2018, I think we got our first bust. I'll just start (laughs) with these or disappointing or bust since (laughs) I don't think anybody's going to be saying overachiever. The second overall pick in 2018. Marvin Bagley.
3: Oh man, this one's tough just cuz I mean it's still early in his career. Yeah. I mean, 5 years deep. I mean, I I'm already I'm already on the bus bus on <laughs> bust on this one. Um The I second
2: mean, overall pick, man. Yeah, I yeah. mean, he
3: just didn't show anything and, and then I mean, being a Duke guy, I mean, a bunch of people have expectations for you, and, and it's it's not fair. I mean, I, I feel the same way for Wemby. I mean, the guy's been given way too much hype. I mean, and, and it's not necessarily deserved for them to, to be labeled a bust, but mm-hmm. I mean, if we're talking about what his expectations were and what the Kings were expecting out of him, I'm, I'm gonna, you know, I'm teetering with bust right here um he's teammates with james wiseman right now and they're competing for a role in in detroit right now so i mean i could see it easily him getting back to decent you know guys have had hard times you know in, the, in, the, in their past and then they can you know sh- bring it back um we, we talked about brandon ingram mm-hmm. i mean marvin bagley to me right now is a bust but i mean he could he might be able to earn a starting role and then i could be totally wrong and i would mm-hmm. not be opposed to being wrong
2: what I agree. I I hope that he finds some success in his career, Ooh, cause he's a really interesting player to watch. But I'm just gonna interrupt real quick before y'all give y'all's takes. Y'all know who got picked after this man? Uh-oh. We just talked about him being an MVP, Luca Doncic. Oh, yeah. I mean Go, go ahead. Sorry. No. <laughs> <Nah, go ahead. laughs>
0: um, I'm gonna more lean towards just dis- I would say more disappointing. Mm. That's I'm gonna lean it towards that, cause I mean, I think there I think there's still promise in him. It's just it's taking. A lot longer than it than it should be, and right. not gonna lie, some players have to go through that to just to get to the very best at their ability. You know, you're not gonna be you know LeBron James who just comes right out of high school and becomes the best player in the in the NBA at least you know for now. But you know, you're not gonna be De- you know Kevin Durant that comes in the league and um, immediately takes over. You're not gonna be Steph Curry who absolutely shoots the lights out. You know, it it takes time, and honestly, right. I wouldn't really call him a bust just yet if he really just struggles completely in the next this coming season then yeah i'll say a bust but as of right now i would i would lean more towards just disappointing
3: well considering going into the draft he was you know probably the number one guy i mean the, i see a one right now he was ahead of luca and uh deandre hayden mm-hmm. so i mean if if i'm looking at just that i'm probably leaning towards Let me bust. but that's just that's just me
1: I get that. That's what I was going to say. I mean, looking at his numbers, it, it makes me want to go with underachiever, not quite say bust, but then <laughs> you hear the guys that were drafted after him, yeah. and it's like, oh, that just makes it so much worse. Exactly. But, I mean, you know, that he doesn't have to let that affect him personally because that's not really on him. I mean, the team that took him believed in him, and, I mean, that says a lot, and, you know, hopefully he can get those numbers up.
2: I agree. It shouldn't affect him personally. The You know, the he can't control who gets picked after him. But for the sake of this discussion, and I typically don't like doing this, but it's gonna affect my my answer. <laughs> and and it's bust, dude. Jared Jackson, Trey Young, um, SGA, all names after after him, and Luka Doncic, obviously. But come on, man. Kelvin like,
3: Johnson, I think was that your name? Yep. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I mean, I mean, come on. I I really <laughs> thought he was gonna be that guy, but to this point, he hasn't been, and it sucks. Uh, I mean, as y'all mentioned, there's still time. And that's why we're going to cut it off at 2019 because, you know, I feel like it's a little bit unfair. It's been – I tried to do it five years before. I don't know. My math – I've got a lot to do today, so I'm like, no, <laughs> I'm tired. You're all right. But uh, let's do 2019, the last year, the last year on the list. The third overall pick, R.J. Hampton. Or <laughs> R.J. Hampton, <laughs> R.J. Barrett. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs>
3: um, I mean, he was, you know, highly touted out, out of high school. I mean, it was only him, Zion, and I. I forget who the other one. It was because the Duke had secured the top three. Oh, it was um, the guy who went to Atlanta. Yeah. Right? What's his Cam name? Cam Reddish. Cam Reddish. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they were all just really hyped up. I mean, and it's really hard to pick all from the same team. Like they all. Went to Duke. I mean, and they didn't even go far in the tournament. And, and you know, to me, that was a big tell. I mean, they could like two stars together, like the two highly rated players in the draft, and mm-hmm. then up getting up being picked number one and two. Just not show that much success. I'm gonna go decent, just cause he's got time. I mean, twenty nineteen is really not that far. When we're talking about some of these other players, averaging almost uh, twenty points per game. Mm-hmm. Um, his three point percentage has slowly climbed. I mean, it's been a an, an, uh, you know. An, difficulty t- in his career. I mean, mm-hmm. he hasn't been able to find the shooting stroke. I mean, him being a left-handed shooter, I think he needs to become more versatile for him to be overachieving. Yeah. Right now, he's just an offensive player in a Nick system that uh, I'm not really a fan of. I mean, it's just kind of weird how you know Tibbs is running it over there, but um, I'm going to go decent just because he still has time to do more. Mm-hmm.
1: Definitely decent. I mean, it's his fourth season. He's only 23. He's still young, um, averaging 20 points a game. Those are decent stats right there. If not you know, better than decent. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, like you were saying, with with Duke having those top three um, players, players yeah. I mean, that's a lot of pressure for all of those guys. And I think that R.J. Barrett's done a pretty solid job of doing what he needs to do with the Knicks.
0: Yeah, I agree. And, and you know, Jalen Brunson, I'm sorry, not Jalen Brunson. Uh, R.J. Barrett, to me, I think what really sets him for him being in a decent category is the fact that he's, pretty consistent i would i would say he's pretty consistent that's the one thing i will say about about rj bad now he does have help obviously with Jalen with Jalen brunson as well i mean i mean this Knicks team alone has just had so many problems in the past you know past few years but they finally have gotten back on track and trying to become a well-known franchise especially when it comes closer to the playoffs because i know they made it last year and knocked out and knocked off cleveland and so, I mean, I guess you could say that's good signs for this Knicks team alone. But just for him specifically, he has help. And honestly, if on if, let's just say if Jalen Brunson is not with New York anymore, it's technically technically Barrett's team mm-hmm. at that point. If at yeah. that point if Jalen Brunson you know does decide to leave, which I honestly I don't think he will, but I mean I think I put him in a decent category just because he has help and he's a really good facilitator on the floor. He causes a lot of traffic when it comes to. Uh, Comes to defense, so I'm gonna I'm gonna put him in a decent category.
3: I mean, it's wild because all of us are saying a guy who averages twenty points is decent. <laughs> um, but I, I mean, if we're talking about like draft expectations, I mean, you're put on a higher level, like a, a higher standard, and, yeah, and that's exactly. nothing to do with the like the player. I mean. This is this is just how you know things work. I mean, you're expected to be like a superstar, you know, Hall of Fame level player when you're drafted that high, and exactly. it's just the expectations that come with the job. And I think they embrace it too. But yeah, we're calling a twenty point yeah. p- per game player. <laughs> yeah, <basically. exactly. laughs> Twenty points yeah. per
1: game is phenomenal. And the only reason why we're discussing this is because he was a third overall pick. Yeah. exactly. And I mean, that's that's what you have to deal with when you're the third overall pick. Mm-hmm.
2: So mm-hmm. I agree, and it's just probably the most interesting name in that draft class because it wasn't a very good draft class again i i'm I'm nitpicking because these players are relatively young you know we're we're in 2023 so it hasn't been that long i'm gonna go with decent as well just because 20 points a game i should have made the scale a little more after decent you know i'm not (laughs) overachiever but uh you know we learned like achieved yeah. Good. <laughs> go. Just good. I. Okay, I guess. He's aight. Well, guys, that's all I got. That's all I got. But I want to thank everybody for joining us in this episode of Claws to the Wall. I think we had a good one, guys. Lots of uh, really good one. entertaining topics. Any last, any last thoughts before we get out of here?
0: I mean, we're about two weeks away from the NBA season starting. So, I mean,. Tune in on October 24th on Tuesday night when the Lakers play Denver, and uh, you know the NFL is taking a wild turn. Is taking a wild turn. So is the MLB. So uh, it's a great, great, uh, great fan to be a uh, to be in fall sports right now. I'm just
3: know? recovering from Red River last week. So <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'll, be, yeah. I'll be okay. <laughs>
2: yeah, same here. Same here, bro. Yeah, I
0: hear
3: I wish we would have talked about that a little more, but maybe
2: not, right?
1: <laughs> maybe not.
2: <laughs> All right, well, everybody, thank you for tuning in. Y'all
1: have a great weekend.